0: From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked on Chiefs podcast.
1: Welcome back to Locked on Chiefs. It is a Wednesday and we have a great show for you. We have an upcoming crossover show where Chris is going to get some info on what's going up there in Boston with those Patriots. So stay tuned for that. The story of the day is that there are changes going on with the Chiefs roster as they get ready to face these Patriots and it has to do with the ground game. A couple of new developments. uh, First and foremost is that the Chiefs went and signed an old friend. Spencer Ware is coming back to the Kansas City Chiefs.
2: Yeah, and that move means one thing. It means that Damien Williams and or Daryl Williams will not be available this weekend. Uh, so kind of had to make a move to get a running back on the roster.
1: I agree, and, and I do think that it is. And I don't think we're going to see either of them with this signing. That tells me that uh, they really felt that they needed some help pretty quickly. And, you know, for a guy that has been in Kansas City before, I, I can't see a reason really not to. I think he can help you out and he knows, uh, the general gist of what's going on. I'm sure. There'll be some new wrinkles and new plays, but Spencer ware has got experience in the offense. He's got experience with the team. Uh, he knows the quarterback. I think it's, uh, you know, almost something that I had forgotten about that Spencer might still be available and ready to go. Uh, hopefully he's in shape. Yeah, and you got to hope
2: that that's the case. Uh, the corresponding move for that signing is they released Garrett Dieter. Uh, that was kind of my guess as to what was going to happen if they were to sign Spencer Ware, uh, and it is what happened indeed. And, you know, for a guy that has been on and off the roster as many times as Dieter has, uh, you got to figure he's going to be back on the practice squad at least.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I don't think a couple of special teams plays is going to make somebody run out and grab him, so I do expect that he's going to be available here uh, you oh, know, tomorrow! No, but no, wait back. a second—you
2: don't think that somebody's going to grab him for his dance moves at the end of the game?
1: Now you know that's a whole different story. <laughs> if you're looking for you know some kind of boy band, maybe Gary's your guy. Oof, a little harsh. Sorry there for Dieter fans or Gary, if you're listening. Just saying, <laughs> a couple of moves—that's nice. But uh, yeah, I expect him to be back on the practice squad, and this is what happens at the bottom of the roster. At least it's not CJ Spiller. Let's let's be there. Um, but it does say that even though, um, I expect both Williamses to be out and that's what this move means. And where knows things, I don't know what kind of shape he's in. He's certainly not in football shape. He hasn't been hit in, you know, six months. So that's significant, which tells me that you're looking at shady and now Darwin Thompson, some are in line to get some touches in this game. And I think where's going to be a guy that has to work into it. I don't know that he's going to be ready to even contribute against these Patriots.
2: Well, I agree to disagree. He has been playing. He has been on the Colts uh, in a couple of different teams this this season already. Uh, I don't know how active he's been and how much he's actually played, but he has been on rosters at some point. So he has been practicing a little bit at least. Uh, I don't know that he's been playing in many games or what his real statistics are. But you're right. He knows the offense. He knows what he can bring to this team. The team knows what he can bring to this team. Uh, and he's good. It's you know, one of the bigger things that I think he may be asked to do is get in the way of blockers coming to Patrick Mahomes. He might be looked at as a third down back because he has always been a guy that's been really good uh, at being one of those personal protector types.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Spencer Ware can block, and that's not something that I think um, you lose. And and really what I'm getting at is it's the game reps that I think he's been um, missing, really, in terms of putting your head down and getting yardage. But protecting the passer, I think that is something that's pretty natural. You do it in space and it's not necessarily about the contact. So I I agree with you. I think that's definitely something that he can help with. They're going to need it. Um, Protecting Mahomes has to be job number one. But um, another guy that had an update today, he's forever tied to Spencer Ware because they signed contracts at the same time, same value. Um, And Sharkandrick West actually retired from the NFL the same day that Spencer Ware comes back to the team.
2: Yeah, kind of funny timing on all that, uh, but congratulations to... Chuck Hendrick for his career in the NFL and for his time with Kansas City, really appreciate the enthusiasm and what he brought to this team.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's really the underlying thing is that he always had a positive attitude. He always was somebody that would pick up a locker room, and I think that's a positive thing to have around. It helps you build momentum, helps you build morale. Um, and despite uh, not getting uh, other opportunities, good for him for for putting through this and getting to the point where, uh, he can retire and still in good health. So good for him. Um, I just wanted to make one other comment and get your take real quick. Um, the Panthers decided to part with Ron Rivera, a guy that has worked for Andy Reid in the past and has a varied and long history. Special of coaching on the Right. So you're into that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I am. I think that, that would be a great hire. Um, I don't know that he'll be available for the 2020 season, but I don't think that there's any reason that he can't come in for the rest of the season and help on defense. Uh, I do not think Steve Spagnuolo is an ego guy, and I think he would be willing to have another guy come in and really have some ideas to bounce off, because I think Spagnuolo uh, would appreciate that as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I don't see any kind of uh, you know competition or, or, or fear there. Uh, and that's not to say that Madhouse has been doing a bad job, because I, I think the opposite. I think he's getting what he can get out of these guys. But there's a certain motivational thing about a guy that has led other teams a long way down the road, has been a head coach, has played on a historic defense, uh, and I think that's significant. Maybe that's just a little bit of a boost that can help these linebackers out and really push them to the next level. Um, I'd like to see something happen. We'll see if it actually does. And when we get back, folks, we're going to jump in, and Chris is going to start questioning the opposition about what's going on in New England. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can improve your performance and have that extra confidence. Listen up.
2: BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom.
1: Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package with no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. You'll get your shipment free when you use the promo code On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com. That's promo code On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast.
2: Welcome back to another crossover episode. My name is Chris Clark, and I have with me tonight uh, Mike Debate from Locked On Patriots. We're going to be talking about this Patriots-Chiefs game that is upcoming on Sunday. Mike,
0: how's it going? It's going great, Chris. Thank you very much for having me on today. Much appreciated. Always look forward to the crossover Wednesdays here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is one I've been looking forward to for quite a while. And I know you probably have been too. Uh game of the game of the schedule. Perhaps uh, this is one that uh, I know both fan bases are really looking forward to.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Chiefs fans are definitely looking forward to this game. And I know that the Chiefs are probably really looking forward to this game. Uh, it's always a trick to get over the Patriots, and that's the big thing is just finding a way to get past the Patriots. Uh, I do have a couple of questions for you uh, as we get into this crossover episode. So you look at what the Patriots have gone up against the past couple of weeks, and they've got two losses in, I believe, the last four games. Uh, and honestly, I've watched a couple of their games, and even the wins, their offense didn't look really that great. Uh, what are you seeing? What has really changed over this the course of the season?
0: Well, in terms of the season, I would say from this season to last season, the Patriots are definitely missing Rob Gronkowski. There's no question about it. You don't lose a player of Rob's magnitude, of his ability, and not suffer some difficulties in the, in the passing game and in the offensive scheme. So that's definitely a concern, and the Patriots know they're not getting that production out of the tight end position. Matt LaCosse has been a serviceable fill-in, but he's been injured for a good portion of the season. Ryan Izzo has not lived up to the expectations that they would have hoped. Uh, they tried to go a little bit in a different direction in the offseason, tried to bring in Austin Safarian Jenkins. That did not work. Benjamin Watson has been pretty good since coming back, but again, he missed the first four games um, of the year with the, uh, the suspension and then there were some difficulties in bringing him back. He was released and then resigned, okay. so they haven't had that same production out of the tight end position. That is a concern for the New England Patriots. On the receiver side, Julian Edelman is still solid. He's still putting up great numbers and he is still by far Tom Brady's most reliable target on Sunday night against the Houston Texans when all was said and done and they needed a big play. Julian Edelman was the guy that they went to. He'll continue to be. But right now, there's a lot of upheaval. This is a wide receiver core that, don't forget, at the beginning of the season or close to it, had both Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon penciled in there. Neither one of them are in New England any longer. So he's relying on a lot of guys like a rookie in Nikhil Harry, who's talented but still coming along. We saw him have some hiccups in both games that he's played against the Cowboys and now against the, uh, the Texans uh, on Sunday. And he's also playing with an undrafted rookie free agent and Jacoby Myers. So these have all been difficulties. Couple that in with the injuries that Tom Brady has had to deal with on the offensive line. And he hasn't had much time to throw the ball. Isaiah Wynn is their top offensive lineman, their top left uh, tackle. He is back in the lineup and his impact has been very good. He's been giving Tom a little bit more time to throw the football on Sunday night. He actually had over three seconds to throw, which is really remarkable considering that he hasn't had that time all season long. Another thing, Chris is the running game has not been as prolific as the Patriots have been used to. Sony. Michelle has had up and down moments this season, but he hasn't been the same consistent back that he's been. James white is Typically covered now by a defensive back every single game. They're either throwing a corner or a safety on him. It's been difficult for him to get open and to get catches out of the backfield. Rex Burkhead hasn't been utilized all that much. That would probably be to some injuries he's had. So they're not a lot of productivity that's been happening at the three key positions for the Patriots. It's no wonder that there's been a little bit of a decline this year.
2: Well, and if you look at what the offense has done, that's really been a story over the past couple of weeks. The story for the Patriots when the season started, though, however, was their defense and how well they were playing. And you look at what has been going on the past couple of weeks. uh, You know, they let, what, 37 points be scored on them against the Ravens. Uh, I I realize that that's a completely different type of offense uh, to deal with. And then another 28 points scored against them against the Texans. What have you really seen from this this Patriots defense, uh, and how has that changed throughout the season?
0: Well, the Patriots defense is still a very, very elite unit. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily that they're the defensive juggernaut that a lot of people were making them out to be early on in the season. I think we've started to see them level out in terms of what they are, and what they are is very good. Look, the Patriots definitely allowed some points against the Baltimore Ravens, and you hit the nail right on the head. That is a different type of offense than they're used to seeing. It's very similar to the offense that we're going to be seeing this week in New England when your Kansas City Chiefs come to town. They're high-flying. They're capable of scoring. They have a dynamic quarterback that can beat you in so many different ways. Great wide receivers, good strong running game. So the whole nine yards, the Patriots defense is going to need to be on their A game, their A-plus game. In order to hope to even contain the chiefs let alone stop them but with the patriots defense they're at their best when they're in that three four set they love to show the zero blitz they love to have the linebackers be able to come rush the passer run free and get after the quarterback That allows a linebacker like a Jamie Collins, who's been such a great addition, re-addition, I should say, to this team where he can drop back into coverage and actually be a coverage linebacker. Or when the Patriots want to show blitz, they can do that again they can bring him back into coverage and have him assist in the secondary and secondary has been excellent stefan gilmore is playing at an extremely high level i still think he is right now in the discussion or maybe even in the driver's seat for defensive player of the year their secondary in terms of the safeties and the the complementary cornerbacks have been pretty good as well so the patriots defense right now i think is Still capable of stringing together great games, they're very good at forcing turnovers. They tend to be able to read offenses very well, and that's something that you have to give Bill Belichick credit for, and as well as Gerard Mayo, who's their def- one of their defensive uh, uh, coaches, along with Steve Belichick, Bill's son, also a a, a, a big uh, part of that defensive strategy as well so that's a very big key in the reason why they're able to have such success is the way they can read defenses but ultimately i think if they're going to have any success against the chiefs this weekend what you're going to have to see is a very strong game from the patriots front seven that's been their achilles heel is their ability to stop the run we've seen a lot of running backs come in and run for big yardage against the patriots That's something that they actually did a little bit better of a job on on uh, Sunday night against the Houston Texans. They were able to contain Deshaun Watson in terms of running, and the Houston running game really didn't get too much on track. The problem was they suffered in the passing game a lot of that was due to some of the illness that was going around in Foxborough, a really bad flu bug that just completely decimated the locker room. As a matter of fact, the Patriots locker room early uh, on in Thanksgiving week looked like an infirmary. It was really amazing. They had, uh, you know, uh, hand sanitizer all over the place and they were constantly reminding people to wash their hands. And it was pretty ugly. But at that point for this defense, that's going to be the key. It's going to be staying healthy, getting healthy, and it's actually going to be uh, whether or not they can get into their scheme, play the 3-4, and be able to uh, uh, to show the zero blitz a lot. That's something I know they'd love to do against that Kansas City offense.
2: One last real quick question. I, I'm just curious. Uh, against the Baltimore Ravens, one thing that the Patriots really seemed to struggle with was the pistol offense, and you saw a little bit against Houston of that same type of offense. Is that something that you think that, I understand it's a completely different type of offense, is that something that you think the Patriots can adapt to and
0: stop? Because I think that teams are going to start using that against them a little bit more. That's going to be the key, and right now they, they have shown signs of being able to defend against it. I don't necessarily know if they're going to be able to stop it. I think right now what's the problem is with the Patriots on that is they have difficulty with the speed and the athleticism of their linebacking crew to be able to defend against that type of pistol offense. Like you said, those, those run pass options, the RPOs that have given them such difficulty throughout the course of this year. And even in the past, it's really been a stalemate of the Patriots, uh, you know, uh, defenses uh, as a whole and being able to stop, but uh, offenses like that. So I'm concerned If uh, to be, uh, to be uh, quite frank and quite honest Simply because I think the way the Patriots are, are constituted, it's not a great fit when they go up against a very quick, very strong offense like the one that you saw in Baltimore, like the Houston Texans, and very much like the Kansas City Chiefs offense that's extremely quick. You have two of the fastest wide receivers I've ever seen, let alone in the league right now. Patrick Mahomes is so deadly in terms of being able to beat you in so many ways. And we saw LaShawn McCoy get his running game going a little bit. Damian Williams can run the ball as well. So they do present some matchup problems for the Patriots. That's going to be the key is whether or not Bill Belichick can game plan for something that might be able to slow them down. We saw them do it a little bit last year in the AFC championship game, but this is a different defense and a little bit of a different offense with KC as well. So that's a matchup I'm looking forward to. But right now, I would say the Patriots definitely can scheme to be able to defend. It's a question as to whether or not the personnel is going to be able to keep up with their quickness.
2: Well, there you have it. And when we come back, we're going to switch places. And Mike is going to be asking me questions about this Kansas City team. If you found 100 on the street, would you pick it up or would you keep walking? Of course, you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing if you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid.
0: And we are back here on Crossover Wednesday. I am Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Patriots. It's my honor to be joined on the other side of the microphone tonight by Chris Clark of Locked On Chiefs. And Chris, the Patriots and the Chiefs have a history. There's no question about it, dating back to last season and, of course, the AFC Championship game, which I know is a touchy subject for Chiefs fans. It would be for Patriots fans if it were the opposite side. I can guarantee you that as well. But one thing that I did want to ask you is – the growth and the development of Patrick Mahomes. We know that he suffered the injury earlier on this year, and it looked like at one point people were questioning whether or not Patrick Mahomes might touch the football field again. Not only is he out there, but he is looking pretty good. We saw the Kansas City Chiefs put a beatdown on the Oakland Raiders this past Sunday, 40 to 6. Mahomes wasn't at his best in this game, but the Chiefs were still able to put up a ton of points how has Mahomes adapted to a maybe a new style of play with being limited, with maybe his knee and his ankle injuries catching up with him a little bit? And if he has adapted, do you think that's made him a more effective or a more dangerous player?
2: Well, I definitely think he's a more dangerous player than he was when you guys saw him uh, in the postseason. I think that there's a lot of things that he worked on in the offseason that really helped him. And injuries really have hurt this Chiefs team. Uh, you know, you look at... I think early, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Mitch Holtz was talking before the game uh, about how Kansas City had missed like 140 quarters of, uh, of players that would start on offense had missed 140 quarters in the first eight games. Uh, and you're talking about your starting left tackle, your starting wide, your number one wide receiver, uh, Patrick Mahomes, obviously at that point had missed some time as well. Um, you know, those are three really big pieces in this offense, and Eric Fisher is not given enough credit. Uh, when it comes to offensive linemen, in, in my opinion, for the Kansas City Chiefs, he's very important, and, and it's really hard to replace a good left tackle, as you well know, uh, You know, trying to replace Isaiah Wynn. Um, you know, Really what I think it comes down to for Patrick Mahomes and, and how he's improved this year, I think his footwork's got better, has gotten a lot better. I think that he is making better decisions, uh, and I think you're starting to see, especially maybe after the Chargers game, that he's not necessarily – I'm not going to say he's not taking shots, but I think he's taking better, uh, better care of the football in, in the sense that, or not even necessarily better care of the football near as much as he's just not trying to waste drives by taking shots down the field that aren't necessarily there. Uh, he's taking better shots. He's he's making sure that when he does take the shots, he's going to hit them. Uh, he hasn't played two games in a row, very good. Uh, His completion percentage is hovering around 50%, which is very low for him. So I expect that he's going to be in for a a game that is going to be very good this weekend. You know, the big question to me when it comes to this game is how is he really going to play? Because he does seem to have his moments of, you know, maybe the spotlight is, I'm not going to say it's too big for him, but he comes out a little bit uh, hotter than normal. And I think that's really cost Kansas City at different times, even though he is a fantastic player.
0: Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up. And I'm glad that you brought up the point of him taking shots a little bit better. Sometimes an injury like that can almost be a blessing in disguise. And look, no one is ever advocating injury by any stretch of the imagination. But sometimes it forces a player to be a little bit more aware and maybe a little bit smarter when they take hits and when they have to you know, go into coverage. Uh, I'm going back to the injury to Tom Brady back in 2008 when he missed the entire season with a uh, with a torn ACL. He has, by his own admission, said that that injury helped him to know exactly what his body could do, what it couldn't do, and really, I think, was the evolution of this TB12 method that he seems to be using. So while I'm not suggesting that Mahomes do the same thing by any stretch of the imagination, uh, it is interesting uh, that you make that point on him being uh, a little bit uh, better in terms of taking hits, and I agree with you. I think that does make him a more dangerous quarterback, and I still uh, you know, love what I see from him week in and week out. He's one of my favorite players to watch. And I know this is going to be a good one. And in Foxborough, maybe the New England fans may not want to admit it, but it's always fun when you see uh, Mahomes uh, uh, take snaps under center just to see what he can do, as long as he doesn't hurt us too much in New England. <laughs> um, <laughs> Keeping on uh, the uh, the offensive side of the ball, uh, one thing I did want to pick your brain about was Nicole Hardman. And Hardman, to me, has been a very pleasant surprise in terms of the impact he's had right away as a rookie. Hardman was someone that I actually scouted for the Patriots as a potential draft pick. As a matter of fact, they had him in for a very, very late workout just prior to the draft. And I actually mocked him to go to the New England Patriots. Uh, when the Kansas City Chiefs picked him up, I said, wow, that is going to be a L of a tandem between he and Tyreek Hill. And it really has. How much has he been an addition to this offense? And has and do you believe he's helped to make the guys around him like Hill and maybe even the running backs like Williams and McCoy a little bit better, knowing that you have a speed threat like that down the field.
2: You know, I think he, I think he's definitely helped the offense. The question I really have is, you know, are they going to start using him a little bit more because, you know, he's not really getting a lot of snaps in this offense. And part of that is Kansas city's offense is very difficult to pick up. It, it's going to take some time. Uh, and receivers have one of the hardest jobs in any read schemes because he likes to have receivers that can play uh, any of the receiving positions on the field. So, you know, I think he's really helped. I think he adds a different element to this game. Obviously, he has uh, elite speed. Uh, he's not as fast as Tyree Kill, but he is very fast uh, regardless. And to have both of those guys on the field, I think, is a fantastic thing for Kansas City. The real interesting thing to me is going to be how they're going to get on the ball the rest of the season. Because I think he's finally to a point where I think Andy Reid knows what he has, and I think that Andy Reid knows that uh, what he can do with Hardman and, and how to use him. It's just a question of whether or not he's ready to break that out yet. Uh, I do think that it's possible that this could be, you know, maybe this game or maybe the last four games of the season, we see a little bit more from McCole Hardman because at this point in the season, you've seen just about everything that you think you would see from a team, but I think Hardman's ready to show a little bit more.
0: Yeah, and I I agree with you. I think that I'm glad you put the insight about the snaps and whatnot because you see highlights from afar, and sometimes it's difficult to know exactly which guys are getting the snaps week in and week out. So, That is great insight, and I appreciate that from you. Uh, But second, I agree with you. The speed, I think, does add a dimension to that. It wouldn't surprise me to see the Chiefs maybe use him a little bit more, knowing how difficult the Patriots have, uh, the difficulties that the Patriots have had defensively defending against a speedy receiver like a Nicole Hardman, definitely like Tyreek Hill. And we look for them to have probably big impacts on this game. And it'll be interesting to see how they match up with that new England secondary. That's been so great Um, on the defensive side of the ball for the Kansas city chiefs. Chris Well, before I, uh, I, I segue into my final question here. The Chiefs have been maligned a little bit on defense, but the last couple of games, I think they've played very well and they look to be finding their niche, so to speak, when it comes to uh, their defensive uh, prowess. And I think a big key for that is the fact that Frank Clark has really emerged as that threat that they expected him to be when they acquired him from Seattle. When you look at Clark the last couple of games, what's he doing differently now as opposed to what happened in the early part of the season that's helped to make him more effective? And my second part of that is the secondary has been playing very well lately for the Kansas City Chiefs too. What can they do to keep Tom Brady at bay if Clark is able to have the impact he's been having lately?
2: Well, I think I will say to begin with, the big thing about Frank Clark is we found out a couple of weeks ago that he was dealing with a neck injury. Most of actually since training camp, uh, he had a pinched nerve and really wasn't able to use his hands the way he normally would. And I really think what you've seen is that that really hampered what he was able to do. And he's not able to be the same player that he was in Seattle because he doesn't have the strength and the ability to use his hand fighting Uh, like he would as a a defensive end trying to get after the quarterback. So I think that's a big thing for him. Uh, And honestly, when you you find out that he's been playing injured, it makes a lot more sense. It's not that he's taking plays off. It's just he can't get – he's been slow to get home is, I guess, really what you would say. And and a part of that is just not being able to use, like I said, his hands and be able to use the normal moves he would. He, He just looked a lot more limited in what he can do. I think what you're seeing, though, at this point, is he's starting to get healthy again. Uh, You know, the last two games, he has been healthy. He was taken out in the Raiders game. At this point, when we're recording, we don't have any information on whether or not he's going to be available for the Patriots game. But what I will say is that when they took him out in the second half, or when we found out he wasn't going to be playing the rest of the game, they were up four scores. So at that point, you know, I think we would have gotten some kind of indication of whether or not the injury was that severe. Uh, that he would miss this week, I think it's more of a precautionary thing where they just let him not play the rest of the game because they didn't think that they needed him, which makes a lot more sense to me than anything else. Uh, When you start looking at what the secondary has done in Kansas City, I think you you have to be a little surprised because before the season and even up to the trade deadline, everybody was saying Kansas City needs a corner, Kansas City needs a corner, Kansas City needs a corner. Their corners have played very well. You know, you, you start looking at their corners. Their corners are played very well. Their safeties are playing very well. Uh, you know, you have Tyron Matthew who has a pick in the last two games that Kansas City's played. Juan Thornhill got his first interception, and it was a pick six on Sunday against Derek Carr. Uh, he has played very well this season. He doesn't necessarily have the stats because he's playing at the back of the defense, and he's not really been getting his hands on the balls. But in training camp, Juan Thornhill was getting a pick, almost kind of like Marcus Peters was his rookie year almost every day in camp. It just hasn't been there so far this season. I think what you're going to see is he's going to be coming on the, the second half of the season. And I think that's really going to help. And let's not forget this defense still has Chris Jones. And I think yes. Chris Jones is somebody that's going to make a big impact in this game because if there's anything that can wreck a offense uh, and a quarterback and even to even Tom Brady and I'm not trying to say he's not a good QB because he is he's fantastic but pressure in his face up the middle is going to be something that's going to hamper him and I think that Chris Jones has the ability to do that he does it every single week uh he puts linemen in the QB's face and that will cause uh issues down in the second that
0: will cause issues trying to throw the ball down the field Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I'm glad you made the point on Jones. It is definitely the kryptonite of the Patriots offense. And look, we've started out the show talking about how the Patriots offense has not been as prolific as it has been in years past. One of the big reasons why is because of the fact that if you do provide pressure to Brady, especially pressure up front, we saw the Texans do that Sunday. The Texans brought pressure up front on Brady and it forced him to make difficult throws Even though he had a lot of time in the pocket, it forced him to make difficult throws. And to me, I think that's what Jones does so well. And that may be a really X factor in this game. And I'm glad that you brought that up. And thank you for the insight on Clark and as well as the secondary. Um, You know, there definitely has been an improvement in the way they've played. And I think the Kansas City defense is starting to play much better right at the right time. So this team is peaking at the right time. New England looks like they're sputtering a little bit, but there's one thing about Going back home to Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, when it comes to the New England Patriots late in the season, it tends to bring out the best in them. So I really don't lose exterior. there. <laughs> it's you really, don't. Really, it's just truly. the yeah, the reality. They just don't lose in December in New England. So yeah, they really and truly don't. But you know what? That's what they play the games for on the field and not on paper. They always want to make sure that they're maximizing everything they can and I think this is going to be a great one in Foxborough on Sunday night. Chris, thank you for your time, your insight and it was an absolute honor for me to share the microphone with you today on the Locked On Crossover. We look forward to the game on Sunday and the Chiefs and the Patriots is always, always an interesting one and I look for a great one in Foxborough on on Sunday.
2: Great talking to you, Mike. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris.
0: And that's it for The
1: Crossover. We'll be back tomorrow with more from Matt Derek starting to look at the magic for this Patriots game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Thanks for listening to us today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at chiefs where you can get his work Rate and review at Apple podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.